Welcome to Jeff's World with Jeff Stein, the show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. Because in Jeff's World, we never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. I'm Jeff Stein. I'm with Erica Ferriston, and Executive Brian is in here, too, hanging out. He's always kind of trying to put the show together and expand our reach, and so he's and, and he has to chime in because, you know, things are crazy right now. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This is so fun for us uh, because we love this world. We love watching this world and trying to make sense of it and being able to talk to you and figure out if we can make sense of it together is very cathartic. It's very nice. Uh, Today on the show, the overreaching theme is, how do you take a stand for what you believe in without hating those who oppose you? Oh, goodness. Yeah, that'll just be (laughs) one that we're going to carry through as we run through the topics, including uh, humans react with humanity toward military heroes while our president makes it all about him. Mm. That's the biggest story that's been cracking. We're going to do that. We'll have the latest on Steve Bannon's strategy to stop impeachment of the president. Hurricane Harvey Weinstein, his enablers, the Me Too hashtag, and the state of our gender relations. Also, millions of sick children in America wait to see if Congress will cut off their treatments and medications to fund tax cuts for the rich, because that's a priority. And the president threw Mike Pence's Christianity under the bus. So we'll muse aloud whether that matters to the faithful in America. Here's hoping. We have some clarifying perspective on how to be at ease with news events and, more importantly, the threat of terrifying possible consequences of those events. That's what really gets us. And we got a nice lightning round of fascinating developments in our world, including with opioids, where uh, Colorado has managed to prevent countless overdose deaths. Give you some uh, information on that. It's very encouraging. Also, some news, both good and bad, on Russian collusion. We learn something almost every day. And the ghost of Colin Kaepernick continues to haunt the NFL as owners meet, and we'll tell you what they did on the anthem. Obviously, this is a show about politics and your soul, but uh, the Dodgers are leading the Cubs 3-0. Just want to say. In the, in the <laughs> just got to say it. Uh, this, of course, is the, for those who don't follow sports, this is the championships that decide who goes to the World Series. And they've won three games, and the Cubs have lost zero, or lost one. Or I can't even say it right. It's just what a sports fan I am. And the Yankees are playing the Astros right now. They're tied at two and two. It matters. It matters. Um, you know, because that's something that we can at least enjoy. Hopefully, that doesn't have to do with partisan politics until someone kneels or stands. Um, <laughs> so, Erica and Brian, as we yes, look at this, yes. uh, you know, the idea of taking a stand while others oppose you. There's always such ready examples of that, including our president. Oh, that's a tough one. I mean, you just had to go right for the the hardest. (laughs) The jugular. The jugular. (laughs) Of triggers. The jugular of triggers. You know, we're going to, you know, give the actual details here a second uh, of of what he did uh, with the military families. As you, but as you probably know, four soldiers, you know, at Green Berets, in fact, yes. uh, were killed in Niger, Niger. Everyone likes to mispronounce that place, but that's okay. I remember it from the Valerie Plame yes. stuff. Remember? What that's how I we... didn't find in Niger. Exactly. There was no uranium cakes. Remember that? Ah, a little flashback. That's when the Bush administration outed yeah. undercover CIA agent Valerie Plame. I know. And now. Who knows how many. Right? And, and the, you know, 
the cover site that she right. and all those CIA people were working for. But yeah, and that was when there, that was delivered, of course. And now we got a president who just opens his mouth and reveals uh, classified information without even thinking about it, and he keeps just rattling his mouth off, including again about this topic of the military families. Apparently, John Kelly, General Kelly, told him in private about his son. Uh, getting being one of these casualties of of the wars and uh, the many wars we're in. Uh, and I think what are we in seven or eight? I just, how do, we're, it's you know. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I heard. I learned from Trump. Uh, yes, that Kelly had lost a son, and then apparently his son had stepped on a landmine. Yeah, exactly. It was a improvised explosive device from one of these IEDs, I guess. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and was killed instantly. Um, but your point want... is, is that he did not want that publicly discussed yeah. and, and told that in confidence to the president. And the president threw it out there by saying, I don't know, ask ask Kelly if Obama called him. Yeah. And so that, you know, got the information out there. Yeah. Well, let me give you a little bit. Let's just jump into it. This was from Scarborough this morning and Mika Brzezinski uh, playing the clip and then and then reacting. It's to been it. nearly two weeks since four members of the U.S. Special Forces were killed in Niger during an ISIS ambush. And yesterday, President Donald Trump was asked about not having mentioned their deaths. I've written them personal letters. Uh, They've I been sent or they're going out tonight, but they were written during the weekend. This is uh, two weeks after I will, at some point during the, the period of time, call the parents and uh, the families, because I have done that traditionally. Uh, I felt very, very badly about that. I always feel badly. It's, it's the toughest. The toughest calls I have to make are the calls where uh, this happens. Soldiers are killed. Uh, it's a very difficult thing. Now, it gets to a point where, you know, you make four or five of them in one day is a very, very tough day. For me, that's by far the toughest. So the traditional way, if you look at uh, President Obama and other presidents, most of them uh, didn't make calls. A lot of them didn't make calls. I like to call when it's appropriate, when I think I'm able to do it. I really can't. I'm so sorry. I cannot help myself. Really? It's tough? It's tough for you? It's tough for them. Yeah. It's tough for him. I wonder if it's tough, uh, as tough as the parents who lost their sons and daughters or the brothers and sisters and wives and kids who lost someone. Can he make a moment, perhaps just one, not about himself? It's really hard to watch. Yeah, it's, it's very, very hard to watch. Uh, yeah, well, and seen... he wouldn't even be acknowledging this if a reporter hadn't brought it up two weeks later. Yes. Because they don't get to him very much, obviously. He doesn't do reporter things. And then we're always so preoccupied with the latest crazy he said that somebody just kind of went, hey, by the way. I mean, how many of you really believe that he had written those letters and was going to mail them that night? I mean, this is two weeks after the fact. Give me a break. What's unfortunate is you can't see the video and you see his eyes shifting and he's looking around, he's looking down because he's lying. And then he later says, yeah, I'm going to call him tonight. I'm going to call him. uh, We're going to do it later. Now, to his credit, to the credit of the White House staff is they made him call. They said, let's get some calls. And so he made some calls, which led to the next uh, bit of drama. But I think one of the first takeaways for me is to recognize that this man has no humanity. And it's like, how can you say that, Jeff? He has no humanity, but he just doesn't click. 
it doesn't even occur to him what it's like to suffer, what it's like to lose somebody. I don't think narcissists do have they humanity. Can't. That's kind of it's like something one of the... is missing. A chip is missing. And that to me is just astonishing. How do you go through life and never actually get that? So uh, we're going to come back and talk about that as well as uh, the response from John Kelly and others verifying whether that was true, whether Obama did talk to John Kelly when we return. It's a new low. I mean, even if, incidentally, previous presidents haven't always behaved perfectly, what president would say that? Mm. It's totally irrelevant, right? You want to defend the president, the dignity what, of the presidency. What good, honest person? What good yeah, person? Yeah, it would be like saying... With a be, sense of duty and honor to this country, what person who loves America would say something like that? Let's no, just say it. Right. What, there's nothing good no, it's about... Terrible. It's terrible. It's a horrible... And I, and I would say this, I really felt, that my wife Susan said this to me last night, I mean, nothing is worth it. I mean, she's had this view for quite a while, but Gorsuch isn't worth it, tax cuts nothing isn't is worth, worth it. it, you know, being more pro-Israel than Obama isn't worth it. And Republicans, and my fellow Republicans, if I can still say that, and conservatives, and people like Mitch McConnell and decent senators need to stand up, and they really should stand up today and say... Together. This is terrible. I mean, this is... What when you, of, and, and it really is terrible. I mean, the degradation of our public life, of our civic discourse that's happening in this, in this presidency, none of the little policy victories or even the bigger policy victories is worth it. It's, it's really it's just... It shows so much about him, both making it about himself, but then also the gratuitous and sort of blaming of his... Justifying yourself by then sort of gratuitous and false attacks on your predecessors who were president of the United States and who, whatever they're, who behave decently and appropriately in honoring our fallen soldiers and their families. Ugh. That's Bill, Bill Crystal. I'm Jeff Stein with Eric Affairs and Executive Brian. Thank you for joining us. The uh, Bill Crystal, I wanted to play him because here's a guy who, now two, three, five years ago, would have been considered an, a conservative extremist. I mean, he is out there on the right. And now he's, a he's not even close to out there on the right when you consider Steve Bannon and Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Yeah, uh, no, he's still a righty, but I hear he's still a righty. But you know what I mean? I mean, like this guy, these guys, if he's on the 20 yard line, these, these guys are way out in the 30, 40, 50, you know, half, half yard line, half yard, 50 yard line. And so halfway through the field, it's it's stunning. And when he said nothing is worth it, that's the beginning of the end for sure. Not the beginning of the end. We're well into the end. But when conservatives are looking at this saying, Gorsuch, yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, that's a pretty big, you got to admit, that's a pretty well, big yeah. in our era I of tribalism. Mean, Executive Brian has a friend who voted for Trump and said, he said, I'll give you three reasons why I voted for Trump. Supreme Court, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. Yeah. Didn't care about anything yeah. else. But so it's a, it is a good example to point that out. I mean, here's, hmm. you know, Crystal, who would have been along that same path, Supreme Court, Supreme Court. Supreme, and yeah. he's like... I'm not sure that was worth that. Yeah. And on the point of, of just to get the facts straight on, on the Gen- General Kelly thing, President Obama, he says, because he said, do not call General Kelly when his son was killed in Afghanistan in 2010. That was the, the comment that Trump, and it's crazy we have to do all this fact checking. Uh, but to give you a few things, General Kelly and his wife sat at, with Michelle Obama's at, at their table in 2011 during the White House breakfast for Gold Star families. Mm-hmm. Okay, He also attended a 2012 White House dinner honoring those who served in Operation Iraqi Freedom and, Iraq, and Operation New Dawn, hosted by the Obamas. So, yeah, okay. He only met with Obama repeatedly about his son, about his fallen son. And, and that's why the lie becomes so sad, sick, gross, and... And <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable that a president 
yeah. of the United States is such a child. Can I play the Huckabee Sanders spin on that? Well, oh, he might not have called him immediately, but you know, he, he he may have met him thereafter, but he didn't call him immediately. Yeah. So that, that's what they're going to say. It doesn't it's when you are that ridiculous. far down yeah. that argument. Yeah. Look, the, the the it is so lost with President Trump making the the lie in the first place. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just you you've already lost right yeah. there. And yeah. to just keep taking a losing ball there. She's running the opposite end of the field. I'm trying to do a Yeah, thank you. I know, right? You're good. Thank you for trying. I appreciate you playing, yeah. playing along, okay. pun trying intended. Play along. <laughs> but, you know, it got worse. That wasn't the end of it. Because it then, worse. again, some smart White House staffers said, handed a phone to the president and dialed said, it for him. dialed it for him. And that's OK. You know, that's how it works. And then said, here's, you know, Sergeant La David Johnson's widow. And he starts talking and <laughs> it was on speakerphone. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, it was on speakerphone. And in the car was not only the widow, but some other family members, but also uh, Representative Frederica Wilson who represents that district in Miami, okay? And the uh, and she was there, and she obviously accounts uh, what was said there. Representative Frederica Wilson tonight telling me that she heard the call to the widow of David Johnson, and she says she heard a comment from the president that she believes was, quote, insensitive and insane. Minutes before she was grieving the death of her husband across his casket, President Trump calling widow Maisha Johnson. So insensitive. Representative Frederica Wilson was with the widow and says she heard the call by speakerphone and says she heard the president say he knew what he signed up for, but when it happens, it hurts anyway. Yeah, he said that. So insensitive. He should not have said that, and and he shouldn't have said it. He shouldn't have said it. And if that but was she the, goes on to say what she would have liked to have heard. I yeah. don't know if you're playing that. Yeah, or no, not, I do have some more. It's yeah, interesting because so. I'm sitting here going, I probably know what Trump might have been thinking, but he just doesn't have the intellect to get it out because you say these are unfortunate circumstances. He gave our life defending our country, doing something he'd love to do. That's the statement. Instead, yeah. he says, Well, he knew what he was getting into. Yeah. What, what he signed up for. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and of course, there's been this great response on Twitter on the substance of that. Just just to address it, because people are so much more adult than our president. Uh, they did a t- you know a soldier came in and said, "Let's talk for a minute about he knew what he signed up for." There's often a misconception among non-veterans that service members sign up with the expectation that they may die. I did tours in combat as an infantry officer, and I never met a soldier who thought dying was a reasonable result of their service. Take the numbers. Since 9-11, roughly one out of every 5,000 troops to serve in Iraq and Afghanistan died there. I'll say it again. One out of every 5,000. Dying in combat is neither common nor expected. But when things do get dicey, Trumps expect leaders at every level to do everything in their power to keep death from happening. Take roadside bombs. When they began killing U.S. troops, President Bush never said uh, they knew what they signed up for. Instead, Department of Defense, sorry, I couldn't help. I I I knew what they signed up for. Uh, Instead, Department of Defense designed MRAPs, MEMRAPs. uh, It was a concerted effort to keep more people from getting killed unnecessarily. And that's what keeps troops going. The knowledge that your life is valuable, that it's not to be wasted, that air support is inbound. Today we say, I will never leave a fallen comrade to fall into the hands of the enemy it's been a long thing in the u.s military and then he went on and on it but you get the point it's like 
Ooh, I mean, really? Signed up for it? Even in the substance of that, it just doesn't even make any sense uh, to anybody. And you would think this would... You remember, how long was it that, that in politics, we've been watching it forever, that, that the one rail you never touch, touch, the third rail, as they say in the subway analogy, the third rail is the electric rail, you never touch is, is the military. You never start bashing But that's those what I don't know. Here, he, he bashed, you know, McCain during his candidacy. Yes. Hey, I don't like you know, military get who captured. Be, get captured, <laughs> they're no good. Or, yeah. you know, I'm paraphrasing. No, so yeah. he, he went after, you know, John McCain. And obviously when you go after John McCain in that manner, you're not just going after John McCain. You're going after the entire armed forces, armed forces and, and people who, Jeez. you know, have MIA still been prisoners of war and, and have come back from that, you know. We, we saw it when he went after at the convention and, and the young uh, Muslim man. Yeah, the Kaiser Khan and, the, and his kids who, who died. Is I a, mean, he went uh, after, I mean, he has repeatedly yeah. gone after them. He neglects, I mean, think about that. Four Green Berets, yeah. a Green Beret is the best of the best. Of the Army, certainly. And yeah, it's exactly. four. What happened? Yeah. What happened? I mean, we I, I don't know, but you just uh, beautifully cued up the next question. Okay. But finish your thought. So, though. Yeah, yeah, but and 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 just I mean, you see this over and over again, and yet the Trump supporters who claim to love the troops, support yeah. the troops, are ready to excuse and defend their almighty Trump at the expense of of the troops. And so you just foreshadowed what, as I scanned the right-wing pages, it was this kind of attack on Representative Frederico Wilson for politicizing it. And to their credit, MSNBC went ahead and asked about it. And here's her response to that. We haven't heard uh, directly from Mrs. Johnson. She's going through an awful lot. This conversation has become intensely politicized, uh, first from the president. But now, do you think you have any qualms about from your point of view as a Democratic Congresswoman, also politicizing this conversation. Is it right that you are speaking out about what was a conversation between Mrs. Johnson and the President? What I'm, what I'm really concerned about, and I wrote a letter to uh, General Mattis about the circumstances surrounding his death. I'm not trying to politicize what the President said. That letter went out long before the conversation. I have a real concern because I have been fighting Boko Haram for over three years in the Congress of the United States, ever since they kidnapped 274 schoolgirls from a private school in Nigeria. So Bring Back Our Girls Mm -hmm. is my project in the Congress of the United States. I've passed bills. I have been working with Nigeria. I've traveled to the region. And for uh, La David to be from Miami and a part of my mentoring program, the 5,000 role models of excellence from a little boy, and to travel to the area where I have been fighting and to lose his life, why, my goodness, I was out of my mind. So I want answers surrounding his death. I want a complete investigation as to what happened to him. Why was he missing for 48 hours? Why was he in an unarmored car? Why didn't they have appropriate weapons? 
Boko Haram is the most dangerous terrorist group in the world. They burn babies and use little girls as suicide bombers. Yeah, that's the real issue. Like you brought up, Erica, is <laughs> politicizing. I mean, well, what, what about what actually happened? <laughs> You know that that we that is their tactic, isn't it? And the media, CNN, who get to frame the questions, you see it over and over. Don't politicize. Uh, don't talk about guns when there's gun violence because it's politicizing it. Right. Don't talk about climate change when you have back to back you know, level five hurricanes because it's politicizing it. Don't talk about climate change, wildfires, politicizing it. This is absurd. And that is, you know, right? It's like protest in your house when no one's looking. Don't talk about anything. Yeah, yeah, protest in your house when no one's looking. Do it appropriately in your house when nobody's there. So... Right? And, And... the, the the comments, of course, have come fast and swift. Greg Popovich, Coach Greg Popovich, who always makes headlines from the Spurs, called him a soulless coward. You know, how can doesn't it just doesn't under, nobody understands how we can continue to allow this person to continue to occupy this office? Right? It it's just beyond imagination. I you know a soulless coward really does sum it up, and I'm not trying to be or deference, uh, vermins, or sends, an you inhumane know. coward, but it is cowardice. You yes. you can, you can. I mean, that's what this is. It is cowardice, and then there is, you know, that lack of humanity, narcissistic. You know, just the yeah. chip that's just missing. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it's funny because I go, you know, as you prep the show, you're like, where do you go with all this? Because there was such a, a chorus, again, of condemnation. And then we all just sit around and go, well, I guess he's president. So that's that's it then. So, OK. And <laughs> nobody knows quite what to do with that. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. And I feel like I have some answers and I got them off uh, Facebook yeah. when we put out the question, yeah. you know, asking people, you know, how do you take a stand for what you believe in without hating those who oppose you? Yeah, I would get some great answers. And one, uh, you know, really addresses that. I think me, I wonder, gotta... should I go? Yeah. I OK, so this one. is from Kirsten. She says, once I bought some nice chocolates, took them to the nearby high school, left them in teachers' boxes with notes that said, "Thanks for being a teacher, you rock." And let me just preference: Yay. Kirsten is young and has no children, and she's <laughs> leaving the, box of chocolates with funny. "you rock" stickers to teachers. She says, "A couple women I know write letters to local mosque synagogues, thanking them for being in the community. I guess the lesson is that taking the time for a show of support." is a good way to let go of opposition. Just keep getting out there and and being what you are for. Yes. And keep going. Yes. And so as so. we come back, that's what we're going to get into. Uh, the answers to this of how you deal with these folks, which is understanding, acceptance, forgiveness, and being what you're for instead of what you're against. That when we return. You found it. This is the place where social, political, popular, and unpopular culture is seen through the lens of possibility and purpose. Yes. I'm Jeff Stein. That's Erica Ferriston. Executive Brian's in here, too. And, you know, as soon as we go into a break, we just like, ah, I can't stop talking. You know, <laughs> it's just so wild. What's What were you going to say, Brian, about the comparison uh, between this, that when they say, you know, you, sh- you, sh- you know what you signed up for? What's That's the-, the same with somebody who says about a criminal, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. Right. I mean, yeah, right. It's like. It's, 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 it's how. It, I mean, is. 
I, I don't want to. I don't know. It's what a four-year-old says. Yes. I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever right? you say bounces off me and sticks on you. Yeah. <sighs> and that's just because that's what I see he's, him saying that. Well, yeah. you know what? Well, he knew what he was getting into. Well, okay. So you know you, you could die if you signed up. That's basically what he said. Yeah, and we haven't heard. Apparently, there were some other because he tra- he tweeted this morning and said, "Well, there's you know that's just a lie. She's just making this up. That the congressman Ugh. was making it up, and that uh, it's all just it's fake just news." Getting so old, I know the, the lie, fake it's news. It's so stuff. transparent. Yeah. Not only that, what sickens me is the timing of it. They actually made the phone call while she's on the way. Yeah. To receive her husband's body. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and hey, it, are you kidding uh, me? And the footage. I mean, you can't. I'm sorry, you can't watch. A woman who's pregnant with two children, one, two, one, six, at a coffin, leaning over crying and not have some humanity come up in you. And yet somehow the narcissist in chief, it just just doesn't even phase him at all. Well, I, you know, I think she said, you know, what he could have said was, I'm so sorry for your loss. That's all you got to do. This is usually the easier. He was a hero. That, That's what she wanted to yeah, hear. Yeah. And, and what's after and, that? Our nation grieves for you. Done. And it's like, you know, that doesn't cost you anything. I know. Yeah. Just a little but humanity. But he, he couldn't do it. Yeah. Because to him, it shows so weakness. It obviously <laughs> makes this rise up in, in us. And again, the, the overriding theme here, of, you know, how do we stand for what we believe in without hating those that oppose you? And in this case, of course, we're looking at the specific case of, of Trump. It's hard not to just hate this guy. For what he's doing to, you know, our world, our electorate, our image, our everything, our nation. And so, uh, you know. I think the only way that, you know, I don't move into hate toward him, uh-huh. although some days it's sure. harder than others. It doesn't mean I don't have my moments, but for me is just continuing to work and stand for what I believe in and and just not give my power and my energy to that because you know that kind of sitting in the hatred it's like holding on to a hot stone this is a Chinese proverb right, you right. are the one who gets burned yeah it sat you know it would it saps my energy that's right I'm depleted and that's it's right. like I need all the energy I have to be with my two boys, my husband, and, you know, help people of California get health care by passing SB 562. <laughs> That's my little plug. But, you know, Betty wrote in on Facebook, and she made a really good point with okay. this question. Okay. And I was like, oh, Betty, good point. Darn it. Can I reverse? But I can't. She says, um, she wrote in, I do not hate anyone. However... I can get upset. <laughs> that's a good and that's, that's some perspective on it. So that's like where I'm like, oh, what I would have liked to have done and gone back and asked the question, how do you not get triggered yeah. by those, you know, who are on uh, on the opposite side of you? And I'm, you know, thinking of myself and my my fellow uh, healthcare revolutionaries when we're <laughs> right. out in front of the Pantages, most of the response to, you know, our flyers oh, I, We have to back up pair. for a second. <laughs> she goes out with her friends in tri-corner hats like the revolutionaries, and she hands out flyers and even sings some original parodies about, uh, you know, healthcare in front of Hamilton showings. Yes. And that's, the, and that's just, it's so fun, in addition to obviously 
having a great impact. Yes, because if you think about it, the Pantages holds like over 2,000 people. And right. so we're hitting those leaving the matinee and those going into a 7 o'clock performance. And so we're getting a, you know, yeah. Can getting you mention the, the mention you got, by the way? Can I keep tangenting? Can you Go mention ahead. the mention you had with the... Uh... Oh, this was so great. I can't... Okay. <laughs> so... um Wonderful woman, Maureen Cruz, who's co-director of Healthcare for All Los Angeles. She's also a nurse and part of the California Nurses Union. She was at, this is a couple of weeks ago, she was at a big, you know, convention with the National Nurses Association. Van Jones was there. (laughs) Bernie Sanders, Jane Sanders was there. And there was a nurse, Jennifer Holm, who uh, rewrote lyrics to Hamilton's The Story uh, of Tonight, and she wrote it, uh, The Story of Our Rights. And that's what we sing in front of Hamilton. Um, And she got nurses to sing, you know, this song. And she went up on stage and she said, you know, something like, you know, this was inspired by the group in Los Angeles who is out in front of the Pantages Theater. I love it. You know, canvassing for 562. So at a big progressive event, y'all got mentioned. So we all got mentioned in front of Bernie Sanders. And the lesson there, of course, (laughs) is don't underestimate how much influence and power you have just by speaking up. Yes. You know, and and stating something again, being for something. And then Jennifer did, you know, she rewrites these lyrics and then I hear it. I'm like, hey, can we sing that in front? She's like, I mean, it's just really lovely how we grassroots people work together. <laughs> but but back to Betty's point about, you know, getting upset. So because we're on the topic of hate, you know, hate is like when upset just grows and grows right. and grows and right. festers and festers. Right. So but, um, you know, Tiana talks about the importance of not taking on the attributes of the oppressor. And that's really important, right? Yeah. So let's say like you're yeah. like, well, you know, he's, you know, he's doing wrong, so I'm going to do wrong to him or I'm going to beat him up or I'm going to teach, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. you know, this bully's picking on this kid, so I'm going to go beat up the bully. Well, now you're you've become the monster that you've sought to to fight. And the Chinese proverb is uh, when on a path of revenge, you must first dig two graves. So Right. And that's Tiana's point. And she says, we must be able to resist the temptation to retaliate. Yeah. And tolerance takes the most spiritual strength. Yes, it does. You know, there's the famous quote from uh, Nietzsche, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become a monster. Yeah. Uh, if you gaze long enough into an abyss, the abyss will gaze back into you. So if you take like if, if you know, say Trump, if you just concentrate on how horrible and awful and yeah. just sit and, you know, stew in that, be very careful. You will own that. That will become you. And so this is where you get back to, you know, go back to what you stand for and go do something yeah. about that. Yeah. And and also to your credit, you know, I was watching this coverage and again, you, you guys were complaining off the air about the media doing it in such tiny little sound bites. And that is super frustrating because, you know, if someone like me, I'm sitting down and watching the whole segment and you hear this great uh, eulogy that Representative Frederica Wilson did about LaDavid Johnson. 
And what a credit he is to everything, to, to the to not only to the service, but how he was in his community. And, and this is how you focus on what you're for instead of what you're against. And you don't get that, obviously, in a five-second news bite because we got to just cover the latest crazy. But right? also they frame the questions that get out yeah. there. And the yeah. way that CNN reported, you know, well, you've politicized this or however she phrased it, uh-huh. uh, right there. She set the frame. Yeah, and and she was trying to, you know, be a journalist, so to speak, and answer what the other, quote-unquote, other side was arguing about, because obviously the fringe is trying to make this some sort of a battle of Trump versus this woman, congresswoman in uh, in Florida. And and if you reduce it to that tit-for-tat, then you're right. You have to just that's do the That's not rebuttal. journalism. No, nah, it's just— well, I, I think it's interesting when you ask a politician that you—or you claim a politician by making a statement has politicized it, they're a politician. If you're going to ask somebody off the street who begins to attach politics to a certain event, they're politicizing it. You're getting somebody on the inside who's actually doing something about it and asking She's questions and holding people accountable. She's responding to what the president yeah, based yeah. on her Say, powers. Yeah, that is political. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, are we supposed to not respond to what the president said? Well, apparently, <laughs> apparently yeah. yes. Uh, uh, you know, and then then suddenly, I love it because the calls in the right wing have been uh, well, those calls are. Those you know discussions with mili- fallen military families are sacred. You should never speak of those things. Well, the president uh, spoke of it. The president made a you know a, a BS a narcissistic explanation of why he didn't do them, and then attacked Obama and and Bush and a company and Reagan for not doing them either, even though they did, of course. But then he claimed also, well, I really don't know what Obama's policy was on this. Yeah, he had to come back around. So uh, coming up, let's let's talk more about the answers to that. You know, again, the, the real steps you can take so you can stand in that craziness and and keep your integrity that Erica's talking about uh, when we return. Thank you for joining us. This is the place where we uh, look at that great experiment called America and hopefully leave it better than we found it. I'm Jeff Stein and Erica Ferriston is here and Executive Brian jumped in too. Um, We are talking about how to stand in our truth, basically, take a stand for what we believe in while not hating those that oppose us. So I think it'd be good to just go through the whole arc, right? So a story like this breaks. What does that feel like? You know, what, what, how does that hit you in the gut? I mean, it's there's so many stories. I'm I'm I am upset to use <laughs> Betty's word. And to be nice about it. I am sad and angry. I am I. What's happening in Puerto Rico? I know that's not this topic. No, no, but it's, but it's the it's same the thing. Topic of the it's, president. It's looking at the president. And... I I mean, people are dying. Yeah. Americans are dying while. Less than two miles away, President Trump and the FEMA, uh, you know, uh, resources officials were partying at the Sheraton, dancing to the Macarena while people don't have food and water. The USS Comfort, where so many people signed uh, petitions to get that to come into the harbor, is there. They... They uh, have capacity for 3,000 patients. There are 16 patients on the USS Comfort. And the people that are coming in, they are saying, if you are not dying, we will not take you. If you have a disease that you will die from, we will not take you. 16 people. There were pallets 
hundreds of pallets of unopened food and drinking water found in the dumpster in Puerto Rico. Yeah. There, there were uh, Homeland Security guarding a building with supplies um, that they were not letting people access. So I know that's like, I'm trying to express to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know even how to articulate the <laughs> the, the devastation yeah. that yeah. I feel toward Trump and toward the Republican Congress to any Democrat enablers and to all of those that are enabling this to Trump's uh, excuse makers from the White House to Wall Street to to everyday Republicans that continually excuse his behavior to the media that leaves out these stories that frames questions to make an enemy where there is no enemy and make an excuse for Trump. So so good. Let's put some names so on I'm it. Upset. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Uh, helpless. It sounded like that feeling of you know just being powerless to do anything. Uh, that's one of the and powerlessness is a horrible feeling. You know, when you feel like something is is in is in active danger and there's nothing you can do about it, right? And so first you want to basically I feel identify like how that. How can I be working harder? Right. How can I, one human being, be working harder? And I'm not making it about me. There are so many, you know, the, uh, the American people, individuals. How are we doing more? How are we pulling our resources? How are we standing out in the streets? How are we working harder for our fellow Americans than the people in charge with the power? How is that happening? I mean, I know how it's happening. Yeah. Because money corruption, capitalism, and so on. But it's, I'm infuriated. Yes, I feel helpless. And I mean. And the rage is relief, which is exactly what we need to go to. This is, I mean, that's, this is the steps you got to take, right? Uh, To get back to a lens that you can have the clarity to move forward and stand in your truth. So you're going through exactly the right steps that we all have to go through, right? And this is, this is, you know, this is what, what we, what we do, what we activists do, what. Yeah. You know, and then we get back up and we link arms and we get out there again. And we I was asking I mentioned her name earlier, Maureen Cruz. Um, you know, we I learned that we have been working in this country to get single payers since 1904. That's right. <laughs> That's so longer than for women to get the vote. And yeah. it hasn't happened. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, what happens at the you know, because of Anthony Rendon uh, keeping this bill in rules committee, yeah. blocking it from a vote, which is speaking anti- of the assembly of the California assembly, by the way. Thank you for that. No, no, we just it, need to it's, it's anti-democratic. What he's done is not allowing um, our assembly members to vote. Yeah. But anyway, she told me, uh, you know, what gets her through, and it's a Howard's end quote. Mm. And this is just a part of it. But he says, um, and if we do act in however small a way, we don't have to wait for some grand utopian future. The future is an infinite succession of presence. And to live now as we think human beings should live in defiance of all that is bad around us is itself a marvelous victory. Great. And when we talked more about that, she said, you know. We were talking specifically about SB 562, but I think for all of these things, she says, basically what this quote is saying is, if you wake up every morning and you dedicate that day 
to what you believe is right, regardless of the income, regardless if we get SB 562 passed in the next two years. That is a life well lived. And for me, after I get upset and vent and cry and call you, Jeff, for some coaching, (laughs) I always come back to that and I say, okay, I don't know if we're going to pass this bill or whatever it is. I don't know if my donation to Puerto Rico is going to make a dent. I don't know if signing this petition is really going to do anything. But you know what? Sending that money to Puerto Rico, canvassing for health care for all Californians, because we hope that it goes to all Americans. We're just starting here because we have the power. Um, You know, these acts, it's the right thing to do. And I will do them because these these are my values and I have to let go of the end result. And it's when I'm attached to the end result that I get into Perfect, right? Such a frustration that I get into burnout yep. or such a depression that, you know, you won't find me in front of Hamilton at the Fantasia right. Sunny. But so right. far, only somebody who would believe would do that. Because you're right, because you can you certainly argue that, why bother, Erica? You're just spitting in the wind. You're just harassing a bunch of people going into a play. I mean, why? And of course, it's the exact opposite. But then, of you're, course, you see, you see the people coming up to you and saying, thank you for being yes. out here, giving you the thumbs up. Yeah. Um, and you, you look at all the people who show up with you. There's a movie out right now. I think it's about firefighters, and it says yeah, it's yeah. not what's it's not the obstacle that stands in front of you it's like who stands beside you right 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 and every sunday you know these people are giving up their sunday to do this and they show up and i'm like i am filled with such love and gratitude and i'm like all right let's do this if i can throw a sports analogy in here the baseball analogy (laughs) is you know what it is it's not the end goal it's one at bat at a time one pitch at a time and one game at a time yeah and you build on that that's right that's right. And so what she's highlighting and it was one of the punchlines I was going to get to, which is instead of spending all your energy identifying the enemy and trying to smite them, you you maintain the inspiration of your purpose. Because if you're driven with a, a belief in what you're doing, like you just illustrated, then it will power you forward and you will be able to not live with the idea that you're not done yet. You know, another one of my favorite authors says you never get it done, you never get it wrong, meaning that you wake up every day and you just move towards it where you just keep playing the game. And so so the first part is, is right, is, is recognizing this helplessness recognizing that anger, that your revenge, your revenge fantasies are relief to that. And my revenge fantasy is getting health care for all. <laughs> I know, right? I, and that's a beautiful that's fantasy. That's a good one. <laughs> right? The best possible fantasy is, is to bring people, you know, the, the, the goal that you're looking for. So, and that's good, though. There's other revenge fantasies. Like, I know. You know I we was have, teasing. No, I know. But it is. It's the same thing. It, it's part of it because you want to pivot that. It's that easy of a pivot. It's, it's, it's like I want to put all my energy. I want to see my revenge against Donald Trump being impeached. Or I want to see the presidency restored to the dignity that that inspires me. You know, Brian and I, we're famously geeks. We love watching old presidential speeches or presidential moments uh, because the office of the presidency, the Oval Office, the Resolute Desk, all these things just feel like uh, so valuable to the, our humanity. And so it's that gap between looking at the person that's currently occupying it and somehow feeling like, because what happens is we start to feel like it's permanently damaged. 
that him being there, it scares us that that's the way it's going to be. So on the first thing, pivot to some truth here that, come on, this is not going to be, from now on, we're not going to elect narcissist presidents who have no humanity. You know, mm. we are most definitely learning this lesson. And again, it's scary. People are like, oh, I don't know. Maybe we will again. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I could be wrong. Of course, we may have to go through one more idiot. I don't know. Pence. I mean, certainly Pence is uh, pretty awful. We'll save another show for that because uh, I've been reading a ton on Sp- Pence in anticipation of him ascending to the uh, to this chair. But uh, uh, we are learning from this. We are recognizing in appalling detail, this is not who we are. So a lot of times to know what you want in life, you got to figure out what you don't want, right? Another great expression that everybody likes to use. And so we know we don't want this. So what do we want? Well, what did you say, Erica? We want to not become the monsters. So we want to become the inspired people. So what do inspired people do when they're faced with opposition from haters? They seek understanding, acceptance, and forgiveness, right? So let's start with like simple understanding. Uh, you can look at things. Okay, let's look at a Trump supporter. How do they oppose us? Let's, let's understand how they're opposing us. Uh, is it is it violently? Is it annoyingly? Is it casually? Is it playfully? You know, and sometimes it's all of those. I know in the case of Executive Brian, he has his friend who we had on the, uh, I'm not hoping I'm speaking out of turn, Paul Miner, who was a Republican strategist, and they like to spar. And he does it playfully, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, with words and saying, well, you know, Trump did this, Trump did that, and what da And he's being playful about it. But it's hard not to hear it and go, don't you realize the country is exploding? There's no time for playing around with semantics. Yeah. Right? So that's us. Right? We have to recognize that we just the one that got upset by that. And so, wait a minute. Like you said, Eric, it's like, well, we're going to get upset, then we have to own it. So we got to find that understanding first and say, yeah, but see, for me in that case, because it's like in the one hand, we're talking about it's like saying like, OK, pe- people who don't believe in climate change or, you know, humans will disappear. Okay, <laughs> Humans will be killed. The planet will go on. So I feel like the analogy of, well, the country will be fine after Trump. But right now in Puerto Rico, because yeah. of this, people are dying and it is the end for them. Yeah. D- d- there's no, you don't undie. No. I mean, you know, we can get yeah. into the whole religious thing, rise again and all that stuff. No, 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 stuff but when, that aside, we'll, we'll leave the philosophical so part It's out. like for me, I, how if I had a Republican strategist friend, which I don't think that I do, but let's just pretend that I did, who wanted to playfully spar with me about Trump, how I would have to not hate that person. I would have to say, you know, I'm I'm not really in a space for that. Good. That's that's the kind of work um, we're talking about. You know, can't do it. Can't can't put spar with you. Not not putting him tender. down. Um, and also, yeah. but protect myself. You know, that reminds me. Uh, somebody wrote in. So remember, the question was, how do you not hate those who oppose you? Yeah. So kind of to this point, please, Katrina. Uh, wrote in the block feature comes in handy. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's a, and that's a good tool. It's a really good tool because right? what because you know what that's about is you know what that's protecting yourself. Like that's like saying I'm gonna hate this person if I keep seeing all this stuff. So I'm actually taking the step. I'm gonna block them. Right. So I'm so it's not in my face, which is the same thing of what I'd be doing by saying you know what. I just, I just don't think this is a laughing matter. I'm just not in a space for this right now. Uh, let's talk about something else. Or, excuse me, 
you know, I, I need to go to the bathroom and just get away from it. But that's a great tool, whether, you know, blocking on Facebook or turning off the, the news, the like not you can't do it, don't do not it. engaging in a while, because also that to me provides space to repair, restore, and then get back to what Kirsten talked about. Go do something you stand for. Leave a note for a teacher. Uh, you know, whatever it is that that you can do. And again, I hear the counter argument in in okay. from the voices out there. People saying, "Well, if I block it out, then then they'll destroy my country in absentia." You know, basically, they'll they'll take it apart when I'm not looking. And again, so address that fear. So what you're afraid of is that their ability to destroy your country is more powerful than your ability to be part of the solution. And that we have to look at, too. So we'll do that uh, when we come back as well as I still want to jump into Harvey Weinstein and how that relates to it, too, because for a lot of people, that's uh, it as well. The same people. How do you not hate those who support him? Uh, That when we return. This is the place where we try to uh, achieve the purple state of mind with the amber airwaves of grain. I'm Jeff Stein. Erica Ferriston here. I need more purple in my I life. Know, right? A little more, a little more purple would be good. Um, the understanding part and moving into that, I think one of the things that comes up for me, uh, because I have obviously some folks that I engage with and people will come at me and say, oh, you're the host of the show. Let me uh, you know, spar with you on one topic or another, of course, <laughs> right? And they'll text me or they'll Lucky message me you. on Facebook. and. Uh, a lot of them uh, like to do it off the uh, actual pages, and and I kind of I'm good with that. I prefer that anyway because uh, like some of these debates are going to be out loud, some are not. But the first thing I ask myself, uh, especially if something starts to come up, is just to go, "Oh my God, you! How do you not see the irony? How do you not see the hypocrisy of what you're saying?" I stop before I write that next sentence, and I say, well, "Why am I engaging?" Mm. You know. You know, there's no expression. Do everything for selfish reasons. And I'm not selfish meaning like screw the world selfish, but it has to, if it doesn't lift you, if it doesn't adding to your kindness, inspiration, your joy, your purpose, your calling, uh, then you're not going to serve anybody else. Meaning if you're doing it uh, either because you're in a fit of rage or anger or frustration or because you're trying to sacrifice somebody else or suffer for somebody else, don't suffer for others. Do it for the purpose of love and kindness and upliftment. And so I will stop and say, why am I engaging and one of the answers I usually come up with is, if I continue to proceed forward, is curiosity. Mm-hmm. I will find it curious. And this leads to what you were saying before. Uh, there's a, a, a Alan Watts a quote. I even sent you a thing that has, an, I think he says on it. When so, what do you do with somebody who believes the world is flat? Right? Nothing. You can't do anything with somebody who believes the world is flat. If they're quite convinced it's flat, uh, you can only you can do is help them persist in their folly. That's one of my favorite expressions he says. So I do that sometimes with some of the people who engage me. Uh, I won't so say how many do you names. do that? Give well, me an example. example. We're, we're about like, to pivot into Weinstein. Mean, like- persist in their fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fun, though. I, I enjoy it until after a while when you say, well, I'm not getting anywhere, and that's fine. Because mm-hmm. for me, I want to believe, as is true for me, that I am a person, a being based in love that's capable of, that's merely, you know, doing anything to anywhere, anytime. I mean, I, I, you have an unlimited potential as a human being. You have the ability to lift the lives of yourself and others, right? And I and I am determined to believe that about everybody because that is true of everybody. And so when I engage with somebody who's even coming at me with an extreme case of victimhood, I see that as an opportunity to offer the gift 
of either being a student, a teacher, or a mirror to their perspective, okay. right? And so, uh, for instance, I had one person who listens to the show uh, confront me about Weinstein. And he's a, or she is a Trump supporter and thinks that uh, obviously Weinstein's the worst thing that's ever happened. And how can I not be completely outraged? And of course, I, I am outraged and I'm eagerly watching the consequences of both society and legal system come after him. And I look forward to seeing how that plays out. Uh, but as like you said, I don't have a stake in the outcome. Uh, I feel confident that even if he's like Bill Cosby, who's almost kind of getting away with it, but he's not, that, you know, circumstances, their karma will catch up with them. I, I, I'm not worried about that. So I curiously say, okay, uh, let's see if I can help them persist in their folly. Mm -hmm. And so I walked through this argument of, okay, uh, so you agree that, you know, in the case like Harvey Weinstein, that's someone who uses their power and influence to grope, touch, uh, inappropriately, all these different things. I, I basically did a list of all the things that Donald Trump did mm -hmm. and then also used his power and influence to retaliate against victims and destroy them if they should try to say he was, you know, victimizing them. Mm -hmm. And of course, this person agreed that okay. right, we should that guy should be taken out. Mm -hmm. And I went, so do you see the irony? <laughs> do you see the hypocrisy? Because they don't have any interest in taking and Trump out. What was out. the response? Nothing. They went because right by Because this was it. over so when you say the response was nothing, they just they stopped kept, communicating? They kept being upset with with attacking me for not being, for not going uh, more aggro against it? No, for I'm not going kidding. against, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for not going more against Weinstein. Uh, I don't want to speak to, because you'll just identify who it is, but they were suggesting to me uh, that I should, uh, you know, being a member of the Screen Actors Guild and an actor, that I should, uh, you know, videotape myself burning my SAG card because SAG was let me down on Harvey Weinstein. And I'm like, okay, I don't see the relation. Right. And that's fine. And but, I would, okay. you know, and in a debate like that, I don't necessarily, you know, I just I mean, kind of He's making an assumption you're a Harvey Weinstein supporter. Right. That All you're that sort out of thing. there like, go oh, Harvey or something. Yeah. That I should be so upset because the industry let me down. And well, hey, the industry let everybody down. There's no doubt. There's a lot of people complicit in this Harvey Weinstein Einstein disaster. Weinstein, I don't ever want to do that. That's my name. Uh, Stein. Anyway, the uh, uh, don't sully my name with yours. But, you know, the, the, but the irony was completely lost. And so when somebody just argues past you, it is like arguing with somebody who thinks the earth is flat. And all you can do with somebody whose earth is flat and say, well, okay, you can ask them questions as you always, you're so great at that and say, well, then show me the edge of the world. And they'll go, well, I can't show you the edge of the world, but it's there. Trust me. And I go, oh, well, why do you know it's there? Well, because it's, it's written in this 2000 year old book that says it's there. Oh, and, and you're done with the argument. Yep. That's it. That's the way it is. And you go, okay, then that person is going to go to their grave believing that or until they decide they want to be more curious than certain. We've talked about this a lot on the show that some people replace curiosity, uh, uh, curiosity of knowing with a, with a, a strength of conviction. Mm -hmm. And so the trick is, so why am I engaging? And for me, almost always the answer is to just kind of marvel and be fascinated by where people are in this discussion. And when you step back and just watch how people are, it actually, I find it to be quite comforting because you realize very quickly that the vast majority of us are not buying the crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, the crazy people are loud and some of them are in control of Congress right now. Mm -hmm. And that makes you feel super disempowered. 
but they do not make up humanity at large by any measure at all. Most people get it. And at least they get it in these basic concepts of what humanity is. Mm-hmm. And then when you see a widow that's six months pregnant over a coffin, you get it. You understand that. And so that's why people go, I'm so upset that Trump just dissed this woman over the co-. Pivot and go, you know what? I'm just going to respect that woman at the coffin. Yeah. I'm just going to respect that. Yeah. Because look what she's going through. Yes. And what would that be like? And why, how does that enrich me? And how does that enlarge me to know? And what does that remind me that's important in life? You know, things like uh, treating the soldiers well and knowing the, the costs of our sacrifices and whether they're important or not. Mm-hmm. And let the narcissist scream over in the corner. Right. Let him throw his tantrum. You know, they all are going to do it and they're going to do it to the end. And don't worry about it. Uh, and But this is a hard thing to do. And this is why we it, have it this show. Hard. It's a big pivot. Uh, to find a way to accept these folks. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I asked that question. Are they are they responding to you violently, annoyingly, casually, or playfully? If they're violent, you got to run. If they're annoying, you got to figure out what's in you. If it's casually, then have the casual if you want to. And if it's playful, moving on. So right. anyway, okay, come back. Let's get actually into some of the facts of these stories too. Okay. And then we can get further into uh, how they get through, how we get through them when we return to the show. found it. It's the only show that has the independent state of mind where we look at this gorgeous country in all its complicated glory and love her exactly the way she is. And that is the point. I'm Jeff Stein along with Erica Ferriston. It is the more you can just love it and have less personal stake in the outcome, it's a weird twist. It flips your lens and you suddenly see that your outcome is actually forming. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's when you're so angry that everything's going wrong right now uh, that you're not aware of all the many blessings that are occurring constantly. See, now this is something I know we're talking about politics, but this is something, you know, to take into everyday life. For example, I had a uh, business meeting yesterday uh-huh. <laughs> yes, you did. With a partner. <laughs> yes, you did. Okay. I had a, we, Jeff and I, we had a business <laughs> meeting. An excuse to have a uh, blue dog hamburgers around the corner. Don't ask. You can go try them. Anyway. Bring your dog, by the way. It's a dog-friendly restaurant in case you have one. But Third, we my free were, advertisement. you know, we, we had some different opinions and I, I had a stake in like the outcome. Like I right. wanted you to agree with me. Right. And what I wanted. Right. And so, but, and I, you know, I recognized that before going in. And so I was working really hard on like, well, you know, put the outcome aside yeah, and just come in with, you know, come in with what you want and how you see it, but yeah. listen to what Jeff has to say, be curious <laughs> and, be you curious. know, That's let, the let the outcome go. I, it, I may not get what I want. I might. And how yeah. am I going to handle that if I, if I don't yeah. And, and so I, anyway, just the point is that when you're making the point about not being attached to the outcome or like Maureen was telling me, it's like, of course, we want SB 562 to pass, but do the work without being attached to the outcome. 
Right. Thank you. And I'm more free. Yeah, I wanted to address to that work. deeper because I think I can hear the, okay. the listeners saying, uh, well, wait a minute. How do I not have a stake in the outcome? The outcome's the point. It's again, it's this tiny bit of a, a sifting between the purpose versus the outcome. There's an old expression, too, where the, the reason we want things in life, the reason we desire or yearn or anything is because we believe that when we have those, we're going to feel better, that it's going to be in a better place. Right. And so that's what I mean about the purpose versus the outcome. So in the case of you, great. Five SB 562 is her laser focus outcome, but she's not, you're not so detached from the purpose and so focused on the outcome that if somebody said to you, Hey, here's another bill that actually does the same thing and it goes to a different angle and it bypasses assembly speaker Rendon and goes this way, you'd be like, Okay. Let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that. And that's the difference. And so, right. like when you look at like really religious people, and I don't mean to, to you know single them out, but uh, like I, I always have great sympathy for my Bible literalist friends, and I have many uh, because they've really boxed themselves into the circumstance. Their outcome is that it must fit into the pages of this particular translation of this particular uh, you know uh, scripture, and that makes you unable to reach the real purpose which is to express and share the love of God in as many people that are willing to receive it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you keep it in that, then somebody goes, yeah, I don't know about the Bible. Well, do you believe in kindness? Well, sure. Okay, let's talk. You know, Right, so done. finding your common ground. Yes. <laughs> and having a conversation there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, too, because James uh, wrote in on Facebook, mm. you know, he said, ask about people's values. So maybe, like, like let's say we're, I'm having a conversation about SB 562, and that's, you know, that maybe that's not going well. It's shifting and be like, you know, tell, tell me about your values. What are your value? Yeah. And then finding, like, is there common ground and a value here? And just having a conversation there. Yeah. There's an example of the let them persist in their folly. Like if somebody came up to you and said, that's socialized medicine and it never works, you'd go, Okay, again, that's like saying the earth is flat and we're never getting around it. And you say, well, let's go travel around the world. <laughs> well, maybe, I don't know. And so you do the same thing with healthcare and you say, well, that's social, but it doesn't work. Well, okay, uh, how do we get healthcare to everybody? And there's what the is questions, the, way? the curious questions. You know, how would you, if you were king for a day. Right. If and, you had a magic wand. Now, you may find, you may say to them, you know, how, do, do you believe that we should all have health care? And they say, no, if you can't afford it, you should die. Well, then you're done with the conversation. <laughs> so <laughs> I, there, was, there is a guy running right. for, I think it was Congress in the OC, running as a Democrat. Mm. And. I, I'm having this circular conversation with him about healthcare, and then finally I said, "Do you believe healthcare is a human right?" And he said, "No, I do not." And I said, "Okay, I think we're done with this conversation. Like, yeah. I don't have anywhere to go." Yeah, yeah. Look, quick clip. I got to play it since it's a, a great context right now on Fox News. This is going around Twitter. Uh, they kind of revealed that part of them because there are a few of the punditry on there, a few of the pundits on there who believe that. They th- again, they that think, it's only a privilege for those who can afford it. Yeah, they think poverty is a failing. And if you yeah. fall off the edge, then that's your edge. You shouldn't have been near it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so here's here's one of these clips that was going around on one of the panels. What's the motivation? If, 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 these are, if these are the, you know, the, the, the poorest Americans who, who are getting their co-pays and things like that covered, what's the motivation for them to try to live a healthier lifestyle? I mean, if it doesn't cost them anything to go to the doctor... What's the motivation? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, it's so an it has to cost something. Argument. Insurance has to cost something in order for them to be motivated to be healthy. Yeah, I mean, first like, of all, it's a false 
it, I mean, it, when it you get cancer, I mean, if you get cancer or something, it's like, oh, well, you know, if you'd have had to pay a copay, you would have avoided cancer. It's like, that's just crazy. Yeah. But when you narrow your outcome, because there's talk about the stake in the outcome, their stake in the outcome is to prove that poor people are a drain on the system. You know, like your friend that talks about the person on the Facebook page talks about values, I mean. Yeah. You know, their value is people are drains on the system. You're either a, you know, a job creator or a, or a sucker on the on the on the teat of life. Right. Right? <laughs> the teat of government. Right, right? And if the that's what you believe, state. so so what I do when I engage with folks like this is I I'm I find myself curious to discover where their again, values, perfect answer. And if they and if I walk them over to that, if they walk their argument over to that area, I go, oh, okay. Well, this is you know, and then maybe for fun for me, because I'm curious about humanity. If you're not curious, don't bother. You know, move on. <laughs> you know, find somebody who support who supports what you do and add energy to that. Because you certainly don't want to add energy to opposing those folks. Right. You'll just inflate them. Right. Just make them stronger. I mean, you know, somebody comes up to you at the outside of Hamilton and starts to confront you about health care. You know, you're going to be judicious about how long you want to debate them. Yes. Because what's the point? Right. If, if there isn't a point. That did happen. And do ask yourself, <laughs> before you get into a debate on Facebook or something, ask yourself, what is the point for me, for yourself? What I is also, the point? too, want it. Like, what do you want? In, in, when being confronted, I try to remind myself, OK, I'm an ambassador, so I want to put my best foot forward, even though we're in a disagreement. I want to be polite and courteous and respectful. And I want to, you know, still create a space of invitation should they maybe not in this conversation, but maybe, you know, they leave that and they go somewhere else where they can come on in and join us and they feel like that they'll be welcomed. Like this is a non-political tangent but there was an administrator at our school who's not known for her personality or being kind and anyway but there was a moment where she actually was very helpful to a parent who was having a hard time and she mentioned to another parent she said gee i'm not used to being that person people call on for help (laughs) and that parent said to her well, welcome. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, I remember I love when that you say that to people. You say that a lot. It's uh, like, well, welcome. Well, welcome, welcome to the debate. Come welcome to in. the party. And that's such an important part of it. It's like, you know, if Anthony Rendon tomorrow said, you yes. know what? I've had an about face. I'm putting this into the committee for a vote. I wouldn't go back to, no, it's too late. You made right. me work really hard. Right. I would be right. like, well, welcome. All right. Let's get it to yes. committee. Let's move it forward. Let's see what we can do. Now, you know, you know, show me show me what else, you know, you're going to do in this amends here. Right. You know, tribalism, which we talk about a lot, is the combination of uh, loyalty and enemy identification. Right. It's loyalty to your group and then enemy identification. And you just illustrated how you're not you're more purpose driven because if you're purpose driven, it's all about the health care, baby. Then you don't care. Somebody today's enemy will be tomorrow's friend. Right. It doesn't matter. But if you're tribalistic, then you don't see that Harvey Weinstein's disgusting, depraved, illegal behavior is not similar 
to Donald Trump's disgusting, depraved, and illegal behavior. And same and with you just don't see it. I know that because you wanted to talk about that. And same with the enablers. I you yes. know. So you you had a whole uh, system. You know, uh, and of that that were working together to suppress the story. Right? You had um, the criminal justice system enabling him. Yeah, it's very difficult for women to be believed yes. in a lot of circumstances. You had apparently the you, you know, know pay for your own rape kit, this sort of thing. You know, right? NBC. Yeah. You know, had the story on him and the president suppressed it, the president of yeah. NBC. Yeah. So you had media, the criminal justice system. You have these, you know, all of these entities working yeah. Yeah. Um, to, su- you know, to suppress. The, one of the pieces they just outed today him. was Peter Bart, who, if you don't know that name, uh, one of the big variety, uh, you know, journalists, powerful journalists. He's been doing interviews in Variety forever. And now they're finding out that in the 90s, you know, he was he did all this, just kept protected Harvey Weinstein uh, through the whole thing. Yeah. And it's deep and it's extensive. Uh, Kenneth Cole, there's a big story about him, the designer, the uh, the fashion designer who, you know, which makes me sad because I have lots of Kenneth Cole clothes I really like. <laughs> and that's a funny thing, too. We talk about, you know, how to separate the accolades from the monstrosities. Right. And mm-hmm. when do you get to that tipping point where you feel like you don't want to support anymore? Mm-hmm. Uh, but he also was uh, enabling a lot of this. And it's so deep and wide. And you say, well, my God, then, then you know, I've got my critics who say, well, you got to throw all of Hollywood out then. It's like, well, no, you grow through it. You identify the issues. You try to bring justice to those who, uh, you know, mm-hmm. both the, the victims and the and the attackers. And that's what's happening. In fact, if you think about it, when you compare the Trump to Harvey Weinstein circumstance, uh, the Harvey Weinstein circumstance is going the way it should. He's lost his Academy membership. Yep. He, uh, I believe today he's going to be removed from the Producers Guild. Uh, he lost his company with his name on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the chance of him working... And, you know, you're going to have to just kind of get like, what are you going to get with Mel Gibson? No disrespect to Mel Gibson, but, you know, <laughs> like another good like line about the sexist Casey Affleck and Mel, Mel Gibson and, and Harvey Weinstein will get together for a movie. Maybe. You know? And they might. They'll form and, a company. And it's up to us to not be upset by that because we don't want to have that stake in the outcome, too, and say, you know what? I won't be happy until this man is so destroyed that he doesn't even breathe anymore. And it's like, well, wait, you know, OK, now you're on again on a path to revenge. You must first dig two graves. You know, so we have I to think, trust it. You know what? What is, I guess, you know, heartening about this story is that I think, and maybe I'm naive, but I think that this topic, that it is brought to light yeah. in this manner, that things are going to seriously change for the better oh, for women. Yeah. You know, there's a woman, uh, Tarana Burke is her name, and she is actually the one who started the hashtag Me Too. Me too. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. That's Back right. in 2007, yeah. she, um, you know, she was a victim of a survivor of sexual violence herself, and she has been working for over 25 years with young people and um, surviving sexual violence. And, you know, she says, you know, this is this has made the news because these people are so famous. And she says, but it's you know, it's the it's the everyday people out there that are committing these crimes that yeah. we don't hear about the yeah. teachers, the coaches, the yeah. co-worker, yeah. the boss, the you know. And so I just, you know, in a way, because it, the celebrity has brought it to the limelight, if you will, I think that 
this will have a positive uh, effect among the society as a whole and starting to believe women. I would go a step further. Yeah. Um, and I think, again, I, I, I implore you to open your lens that when you get angrier and angrier, deliberately look for the evidence of the helpers and the angels, like old, you know, mm. Mr. Rogers said. I've been watching this covered the Me Too stuff, of course, you know, in that feed, which is just amazing, uh, uh, marvelous in the sense of its revealing. And of course, you know, you can be like, ah, oh, there's people on that are just, you know, kind of jumping on the bandwagon, whatever, whatever. Again, don't don't focus on that part of it. Focus on the bravery. Focus on yeah. the courage. Uh, and I believe that it's happening really fast right now. I mean, what I've been reading and watching are the discoveries of not only within what's going on, but people going, wow, I had no idea. I mean, the best thing that can happen is awareness, yes, right? Awareness. And so we're getting so much of that. So when we come back, I want to do more of that as well as the lightning round about uh, all the many things that are going on in the rest of the country when we return. Thanks again for joining us in the place where we feel as our way to a saner future, politics included, the nastiest part of our society probably, which is why I love doing this show. I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston, and Eric, Executive Brian just came in real fast. Thank you, Juan Velasquez, always producing the show. Makes it sound awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Juan. Uh, so, Executive Brian, uh, you just looking at the wires in the middle of the wires. I still love old terms like that. In the middle of uh, the show. And apparently, uh, again, just to recap, Trump tweeted after saying, first he did the thing with the Obama saying that, uh, you know, Obama and previous presidents didn't ever call soldiers. And then he was shamed into calling uh, all four of the Green Berets who lost their lives in Niger. And he called uh, Le uh, David Thompson, Johnson, who, and while he called Frederica uh, Wilson, the representative of Miami in that district, was with the widow and two others, apparently, and Maisha Johnson. And uh, Donald Trump tweeted later after, you know, Frederica said that he called, said he was a sick man. He said he was cold-hearted for saying that, you know, hey, that's what he signed up for, getting killed, ultimately. Uh, you must have known what he signed up for, was the quote. So he said, I have proof that he said that, that, that he didn't say that, to which... Well, the mother of the fallen soldier now corroborates the story, saying, no, he did say that. And in fact, the congresswoman said he said it more than once. Yeah, he not only said it more than once, but he also had uh, trouble even remembering his name and he... never called him by name in the conversation. Yeah, I kept calling him your, your guy, your man or something. Right? Yeah. Never mm -hmm. used his name. So just to, if any of the White House staff are listening, um, just a little tip. When you make Trump make these phone calls, yeah. write down the name of the fallen soldier for him yeah. and point to it so that he can use the fallen soldier's name in the phone call to yeah, there's the no parents shame. or the widow yeah. or yeah, you want to you want to have that handy, not just because he's an idiot, but you do that in general. That's actually kind of standard, you know, especially in staffs, really entertainment staffs. I used to have when I worked for some big big names, I used to write it down so that they could have it for him. Exactly. It's like, God, basics. But apparently Well you, what's interesting is that only this is that the time let's go back in time and say when did that White House Rose Garden uh, press conference take place? And he waited till the day that they were going to receive his body at the airport in route yeah. to get it. Yeah. Well to call. no, he got he 
It was two weeks after the fact. Yeah, mm-hmm. He yeah. got shamed into oh. making the phone calls, which is really the timing of it. He only did it because he got caught not right. doing it. Right. And maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe he was between T's and just nobody had a notepad and, and to according, give him the name. And, and according to the congresswoman, the poor woman is rolled up in a ball, just distraught over, over all this on the floor in the limousine when the call comes in. She's distraught because they cannot have an open casket of funeral because of the injuries he sustained from this. Yeah. And it just it just gets worse and worse and worse as more information comes in. And on he this. makes it about him and an attack. Still on, makes it uh, about him. He's still making it. So about she's him. curled up in a ball and has to take that phone call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just disgusting. So, so what happens, right? We feel that, and then we just get icked to the core. <laughs> Far being right? enraged, yeah, <laughs> well beyond icked. <laughs> but like you said, I, I, my heart breaks for yeah. that yeah. wife and that mother of two, about to be mother of three, and her mom and his mom. I mean, I'm just. So we'll pivot to some good news. One, uh, they set up a GoFundMe for the kids of Maisha Johnson, obviously the widow of David Johnson, and they already have $160,000 earned in a matter of hours. That was what I checked when I checked at the beginning of the show. Uh, And then the other thing is this is your teachable moment. For you parents out there, you've got kids. Uh, This is sometimes, sometimes the best way to teach them is to show someone like even the president doing it wrong mm-hmm. and saying, does that make sense to you? And, you know, I, my 13-year-old, he gets it. Duh. Mm-hmm. He sees it. In fact, he gets it better because he's able to get it and go, no, that's just crazy. I just And he dismisses it. You know, the only thing I do with my son is I constantly remind him. I say, I know you're, you're into this and you're because you're my son and you're fascinated by it. But I just want you to know this is an anomaly that doesn't come up every hundred years. You know, I don't want him to think all presidents are like this. And he gets it. He can see that it d- doesn't work. You know, it's only us that get attached to it and go, oh, my God, that's just so horrible that he's doing that. And you watch this woman, you know, crying over a casket and it just pulls so much at mm-hmm. you that it's hard to see that. No, no, no. This lesson is there mm-hmm. and it is clear and a hard and everybody to a T. There's, you know, even the ones who have to make excuses on Fox News and Breitbart and Drudge Report are just scrambling to make lame things that will never carry any water with anyone with any humanity. So this is, it's an unfortunate thing we have to go through in order to learn this, but this is how we learn it. This is how we learn to believe in bigger things and better things. Do you think those people on Fox News who have to twist so hard to make excuses for Trump and support him, do you think they sleep well at night or do you think they're just narcissists too or sociopaths and it doesn't bother them? Or do you think they're like, well, I get paid good money, so it's... This is what I'm like, I I don't know. What are your thoughts? I think it's all of those. You know, let's play a little Mike Huckabee because he just went out and does he's on the Weinstein. I don't think it's I don't think it's that deep because I think they look at it from a slanted news perspective. Hey, we got the story and we showed that angle and we got it out there. Yeah, that's it. Well, they box their perspective into one perspective, which is like, look, Kellyanne Conway is the best example ever. She knows that she has one job to take whatever is in front of her and turn it into favorable for Trump. Period. Period. 
and, and you just twist as far as necessary until it appears to be favorable. Even when people are laughing at you and you have to come up with something like, well, those are alternative facts. I mean, that's how you get well, stuck like in alternative Bobles, facts. You know, she will go down in correct. history. Correct. But you know what? Thankfully, you can just be thankful that she has the job of polishing that turd every day. Right. And the thing <laughs> is, is the more she polishes it, the more people go, you know that's a turd. <laughs> and she goes, no, it isn't. It's a beautiful Donald Trump. It's like... Uh, okay. <sighs> All right. All right. She let then people talk about her. Go look at that woman over there who's polishing this turd, and she's totally convinced it's a guy, like old golden ring. Yeah. You know? and, and you just gotta you gotta step back for it. You gotta trust in the truths of this world. You know that something like that truly is ridiculous. That there is no one of any sanity would ever fall for that. And those that do fall for it, let them fall for it. Let the fools have their day. You, and when you when you release it, you will step back and you will see the crowd at large, and you will notice that the fools are a small minority, and the va- and some of them are in control, some are in positions of power, but uh, they will not last there. It never lasts. And I do. I want to play this little twisting, if I may, of, okay. uh, of Mike Huckabee. There was also an uncomfortable moment when she talked about President Trump, uh, how he admitted to being an, a, a sexual assaulter. He was, she was asked about the Weinstein situation, and she mentioned how her husband, Bill Clinton, what he did was in the past. Anyone watching that, I think, was a little squirmy in their seat. I, she was even looked squirmy talking about it. Has President Trump ever admitted to being a sexual assaulter? I don't recall that that's ever happened, but I do recall that Bill Clinton lost his law license. He was impeached. Uh, he admitted that he lied under oath and that there have been a number of women who have never been disproven to be wrong about their allegations regarding him. And, you know, it's, it's something in, that I don't know that we have to dig up, but she keeps bringing up how pure uh, that, you know, she and her husband were. I, you know, I just find it off-putting, and the best thing is to just say, I lost because I didn't work as hard. I get the impression that if she'd worked as hard to win the presidency as she had to explain her loss in the presidency, heck, she might have won. And see, there's a perfect example. So first he says, I mean, this is this is pure vision of lens of, you know, tightening of lenses for Huckabee. And he doesn't even see the irony of that and and by the way for the record it, it we're we try to be more purpose driven here and on the case of sexual assault if you come to me and say what about hillary i'll say yeah she was married to a guy who made a lot of sexual assault choices that were wrong and got some consequences for it maybe not enough consequences maybe too, you know that's that's up to your decision but I'm happy to concede the truth, which is that that house is is made of glass as well, and they should not be throwing stones. But he turns into this thing where I don't recall Donald Trump ever saying that he admitting to being a sexual predator. And you're like, wow, do you not see he the access Hollywood He also started tape? discrediting all yeah, the women right. who have come forward about Trump by saying— well, with Clinton, none of those women there there weren't disproved right. in their allegations. Right. In other words, brilliant. Like these Trump women have been discredited right. somehow. Right. Right. Or exactly. So you know they weren't disproven. So we don't know. Well, then okay, put that same lens on your guy. But they won't, and they can't. And that's when you just say, okay, you are a flat earther. Nothing we can do about you. There's just nothing we can do. If they aren't going to see their own folly, then you let them go. That's okay. going to be my new safe word. <laughs> Flat Earth. Flat Earth. I know, right? Get out. All right. Stop the conversation. We'll Flat be right Earth. back. <laughs> 
Ah, the final segment of the show. <laughs> I'm Jeff Stein with Erica Ferriston. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks for your feedback on, on all the social media, because as you get heard from the show, we're uh, incorporating your opinions because uh, we don't have nearly enough. Um, <laughs> yes, we do. Uh, I love our, our audience and I their know, opinions. right? Because obviously we've got a pretty thoughtful audience, which is cool. Uh, but it's a thoughtful world. That's the point. It, it, it really is a thoughtful world. And if you give people the opportunity to be thoughtful, they will. That's one of the reasons that we're doing this show. Because there's a lot of shows that are just what I call revenge radio. I, I've been involved in all kinds of you know radio all my for 30 years and revenge radio and other kinds, which is just let's just uh, let's support like a, like what Mike Huckabee did in that last segment, where it's just well let's just craft reasons to say we're right and we'll just ignore those glaring hypocrisies and ironies that prove us to be inconsistent, and instead just go no we're right right we're all right we all agree right okay well I'm not looking to be right. I'm looking to be kind. I'm looking to be inspired. I'm looking to feel like there's a purpose. And I know Erica is that, that shares that with me, and that's why we do this. So, uh, And there are just some fun lightning around stuff. First, the Harvey Weinstein. Sky Palma, local uh, blogger, great guy. Uh, imagine if Harvey Weinstein ran for president, got the full support of family values of evangelicals, was elected <laughs> president, and then gave a speech at the Values Voters Summit to the sound of rapturous applause from an audience full of Christians. And there's your thing. There's there's that. There's prov- the irony. That's the proving of the tribalism. Mm-hmm. Because if that was Harvey Weinstein, which all the these folks have screamed as the worst human being and should be absolutely castrated, uh, and if but that's is what, hypocrisy a religion? It, it kind of can be. Okay. Right. And uh, and it doesn't mean just religion because I know some atheists that are downright sure. I mean too, tribalism. Tribalism, tribalism with, with Republican Democrat. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a couple quick ones here. Donald Trump, is he winning? Uh, winning. Uh. His net worth has plummeted, interestingly enough, which is pretty strange because uh, the one thing he's that is doing He's using the well, White House to market his I know. He's, he's, they, properties of course, they, and uh, yeah, golf like courses. The Washington Post has, has added some things up, and it's millions and millions of dollars he's made just being the president off the taxpayer's dollar. In other words, taxpayer paying him for rentals of things like you just mentioned. Uh, but he managed to drop. The president dropped by six hundred million. He's now the two hundred and forty eighth uh, richest guy, I guess. He was the one hundred fifty sixth richest guy when he started uh, the presidency. He's gone down a lot of spots, ninety two spots. Only he could be making money off the presidency and still, still lose losing money. money. That's his businessman brilliance right I, there. I know, and I can't help but bring this up again. If you had inherited in the 1970s what he inherited and had just put it in in reasonably uh, effective market funds, you know, mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera, nothing too outrageous, you would have 10 times almost what he, or at least three or four times what he has now, just, mm-hmm. just leaving it alone and <laughs> just letting it passively grow. So the deal maker is not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the other one that he got caught on, which people talk about, is uh, the Mike Pence stuff. He just threw Pence's Christianity under the bus entirely. And I don't know if you guys follow this stuff, but um, first calling about how don't, don't, don't talk about the gays. He wants to hang them all. Uh, did he make you pray? He, that's one of his favorite jokes after you meet with Mike Pence is he'll meet with you and go, hey, did he make you pray? And it's like, wow. And this is the guy who you want. And then, of course, about the, uh, the all he cares about is board. You waste all his time and energy on it. And it's not even going to 
he told just what Trump told the Pence. You see, you waste all this time and energy on it. And it's not even going to end abortion anyway. So he just mocks his Christianity. He mocks his purpose. And then they still have him at the Value Voters Summit talking mm-hmm. about how we're going to say Merry Christmas. That was the great you know, clip that everybody was playing was, this year we're going to say Merry Christmas. And he made up another lie. You see it. He goes, you see everybody? They never say Merry Christmas in, in stores. You go to stores, you never see it saying Merry Christmas, which obviously anybody hearing this who's ever been to a store <laughs> knows the unbelievable crazy. And there you go. Flat earth. Don't let it bother you, right? Because that's just crazy. I tell my son when he has a, he used to have a dispute with bullies or whatever, and, and they would say he's attacking him on some sort of a thing, calling him one thing or another. And I say, just imagine, it's not true, right? He goes, no, it's not true. Well, then imagine they're calling you purple. You know, it's like, you're purple. If somebody said you're purple, you'd be like, oh, that's thing, crazy. the scary thing, though, about, you know, when you're, t- I was just reading, oh, gosh, I can't even remember which country, but this uh, this this gay man was, you know, arrested and tortured for 12 days because mm. he was gay. And when you have somebody like Pence that is that yeah. extremist, he is he is a religious fanatic. Yeah. And and you know, I do fear what would happen to Well, we'd have to watch it for sure. Our, you know, gay brothers and sisters. Yeah, we will do a, an episode uh where we'll include more about Pence because uh I've been reading I've been gobbling stuff on him because obviously he's going to be president soon, which is one of the things we teased, which is the impeachment clock and how is that going? I'll tell you one of the main reasons I know it's going to happen in addition to obviously a lot of experts weighing in is that you cannot, you will always create what you focus on, Mm. right? And when I read on the, in the, in the right wing pages and the, the chatter that's out there, Steve Bannon is specifically the reason he's attacking all these different senators and Mm -hmm. different, because he's trying to impeachment proof, uh, President Trump. Oh. But if you focus, and he said it before, he's gonna, he's not gonna make it. And he said before, I know the President's not gonna make it all the way through. He's never gonna get removed by the Twenty Fifth Amendment. And of course, that's when Donald Trump has said that famous line, "What's that?" And I don't expect anyone to know what every amendment is necessarily. But if you're the president, you might want to know what the Twenty Fifth Amendment is. Um, but they keep saying he's gonna stop impeachment and prevent impeachment. Well, that's gonna make impeachment <laughs> because you can't possibly get if you if you focus on a sad ending, you won't get a happy ending. Mm-hmm. It's just right. I mean, these are just you, basic. You get what you put out there. Exactly. So let's see. Net worth. Da 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 da. Let's see the Me Too stuff again. Very fascinating. Uh, I, I suggest you look at it because it's it's an interesting look at what's really going on because and it's and it's moving fast. Um, the dialogue that's being had about where we all are, people didn't know. A lot of people just didn't know that it was so pervasive or they didn't know that their behavior. And there's going to be, I'm going to warn you, a little quick one, a little Jeff prediction. Uh, there's going to be a little pendulum swing. There's going to be some scared men who are going to go, well, fine. I don't even want to, I won't even talk to women. I won't have meetings with them. I won't even, you know, because they're so afraid of their own sexuality mm-hmm. and what to do with it. And they start to feel like, you know, they're criminals because they see somebody who did something that they've done before. You know, that they may have touched somebody, uh, touched a woman, and they're not sure if it's inappropriate or not, or, or a man. The Me Too's have been also including a lot of gay. Uh, I w- yeah, too. I was just about to say that. And Tarana Burke, in her interview, reminded us, too. It's trans men, uh, gay men, yeah. also included in Me Too. In fact, Stephen Jaffe, who's uh, running for Congress uh, in the San Francisco area, he... Uh, 
defended like the first case in the country of a gay man being uh, sexually harassed by a straight oh. boss. Wow. By a straight man. Right. Boss. Yeah. Wow. So, See, it can go all the different mm-hmm. ways. Yeah. So it's, you know. Yeah. Obviously, women are the brunt, receive sure. the brunt of it, and sure. and this is to not be forgotten. Yeah. But um. But yeah, yeah the sexual harassment. Yeah, and in fact, uh, California now has become the first state to legally recognize a third gender. Yes. California's governor, Jerry Brown, of course, signed it. It's first of its first of its kind thing. It what it does is it enables the residents of the state to choose a third non-binary gender category on your, you know, your state IDs, your birth certificates, your driver's licenses and stuff. And a number of other countries have already uh, you know, have or in process the passing legislation that allows citizens to legally identify outside of this, you know, gender uh, Australia's doing in Canada, New Zealand. The point is is that you say, Well my God, what do you mean? And look it up, Google it. There are a lot of folks and I don't know what the, I remember seeing the numbers. And I was kind of surprised how many people in America have it, where their uh, piping, with for lack of a more uh, sympathetic term, is not consistent. Mm-hmm. They are a combination. They used to use the awful term of hermaphrodite or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they're they got female ovaries, but with male testes with a penis or with a vagina, but no, you know, they're literally a kind of a a, a, a different combination. Mm-hmm. And those folks uh, have had tried, obviously, you try to have surgery, you try to fix it, whatever, but you have to kind of uh, live with that. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to uh, recognize those folks <laughs> as still being citizens entitled to the full benefits of law. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's quite an evolution. <laughs> it's, it's amazing where we're going and how fast we're doing it. Um, also on the line of impeachment, uh, in Alabama, Governor, I mean, Roy Moore is going for the Senate seat there, and he was picked by Bannon. And of course, you know, the GOP establishment picked Strange, who lost handedly, handily. A Fox News poll has him at 42 to 42 versus the Democrat Doug Jones. The chance of a Democrat winning a Senate seat in Alabama would have thought to be unheard of ever, 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 ever. And uh, currently they're neck and neck because they've chosen somebody so crazy to prevent impeachment. They chose Roy Moore. Well, look what they did to Don Siegelman yeah. in Alabama. I know. Uh, that story, Google that. You get S-I-E-G-L-A, man. That's a, terry, a bad story, too. So uh, Bannon's doing it in Arizona. He's trying to support Kelly Ward, who, again, will help him against Jeff Flake, Republican, who has been vocal against Donald Trump because they want to get rid of the guy who might support articles of impeachment. Remember, mm-hmm. he's two-thirds in the Senate, simple majority in the House. Democrats take over in 2019, if they assume they win in 2018, which everything is really looking like they will, uh, unless they screwed up badly, which anything can happen. Uh, and the Russians are still involved, which I'll get to that. Uh, but yeah, they uh, they need two-thirds of the Senate, and that means there's more Republicans. And uh, it would normally be pretty, I mean, they'd have to remove a lot of people. So they're going to try, but it ain't going to work. Um, at least it doesn't look like it's going to work. Opioids. Still, 142 people die a day in this country of opioid overdoses. And you probably saw the news this week, thank you, that um, the DEA, they slipped through. The, the, the guy who was going to be the head of the, of the mm-hmm. drug czar uh, when he was a congressman slipped through a part that made the DEA unable to prosecute these things. And nobody understood what happened. And people signed it and went, what the hell? And they read it back and went, oh, my God, this is one of these things where they didn't read the bill because they thought, well, this is simple. Turns out he slipped some stuff in there, and the industry slipped stuff in there to protect the uh, pharmaceuticals from prosecution for, uh, you know, moving opioids. We should make it a law that members of Congress have to read 
what they're <laughs> signing before right. they sign it. I know. And, and you know, we work with staffs, and it is a lot, and it's a lot to read. And you tend to have your staffers kind of read it and say, is there anything in there for me I need to worry about? Uh, but there but there's certain important ones. You better read that yourself. You should be on that one. Uh, and on the opioid, a little bit of good news in Colorado. They have had a 6% already uh, this first year, and it was even more the next year, a reduction in opioid overdoses because of the legalization of marijuana. Tell us how that works. I just, people were doing that instead of that. And the number to this day, the number of people who have died of an overdose of marijuana remains zero. Zero. You pass out and you'll think you need a babysitter. And call 911. <laughs> you'll have all kinds of like, what? I don't know. I don't want to These brownies. <laughs> right. Yeah, you'll eat, uh, but you will not die. And obviously with you'll opioids. Just get really high. But these the stories of again I don't want to scare the story out but the the, the opioid thing look it up it it's it's it is one of the biggest crises we're facing and least talked about which is strange uh, Mark Zuckerberg is doing a good thing he's not only trying to catch up on the Russian trolls but he funded the fight to end money bail in the U S you know we're one of the yes. only countries in the in the world that does money bail, that requires you to put up money. Every other country, you're like, what? They don't do it? Yeah. Other countries, when you get busted, even for murder and stuff, Mm -hmm. they just expect you to show up. And if you don't show up, the marshals come and get you. Mm -hmm. They don't make you pay a bail. And who gets the bail? Who gets the benefit? Walmart, Bank of America. Mm -hmm. All these these major corporations do bail banking. We had that here in California. And I think the, the bill failed. That we tried to pass it. Yeah, yeah. I think they're trying to pass it again. Yeah, to get and rid we've of money got a bail. super majority I know, of Democrats. and we still can get rid of money bail. Majority that shows how strong the banking industry is still, because mm-hmm. they make a lot of money off money bail, which is really good. They're making money off you know accused criminals. Nice. That's good. That's really good for the public good. Mm-hmm. You know? So uh, the Russian troll thing, I'm running out of time. I can't tell you all about that, but uh, they've got a lot of new information. It's worse than we thought. We're finding out they were even in not only in Google and Facebook and Twitter, but in Tumblr and on Pokemon Go. And they found that at least 100 activists, Americans, were duped by these fake countries like Black Lives Us or Black Lives U.S. that were made up Russian uh, things in order to get them to go out and do activism and and, and this sort of thing. So, uh, But we're getting it. And this is why I know we're getting it. When I look at Twitter feeds, I watch these banters sometimes, and then someone will say something completely inflammatory and racist or crazy and the next tweet will be, you're not, a, yep, you're not a girl, you're a bot. You're not mm-hmm. a person, you're a man, you're a bot. Mm-hmm. People are getting it. They're recognizing that a person, portion of it um, is, is just bots. And we didn't even get to call in Kaepernick. We're going to have to save that. But with the Green Bay Packers uh, losing their quarterback, there was a lot of discussion about, well, bring Colin Kaepernick I'm in. ready to be a Green Bay I Packer know, right? fan. He is a lifetime Green Bay Packer fan. He grew up, he was born in Wisconsin, interestingly enough. Wow. So there's a weird little serendipity there. But, you know, he well, can't just Well, when does that in. decision happen? Yeah, well, now. <laughs> it is not. So is it going to happen? Well, they got a backup. So they're going to go to the backup because the backup knows the offense. And so when the backup moves into place, then maybe a game or two later. We'll see what happens. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. I'm Jeff Stein. She's Erica Ferriston. This is so much fun. Please keep your comments coming on Facebook and Twitter. And we are, as you can see, we love to repeat them and talk about them and hear your points of view. Rant on if you like. We'll do it. We love you for it. This has been Jeff's World, the social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose-colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein.